Do you think your dog might benefit from a little extra fitness? Maybe you want to tighten those left turns in agility or tighten their box turn in flyball. Or maybe they're just a bit clumsy and you need a little more body awareness. Welcome to the Canine Fitness Fanatics podcast with your host, Hannah Johnson. Join us as we talk dog fitness and other areas of canine health too. Our mission is to help condition dogs to reduce the risk of injury and increase longevity, whether that's in sporting dogs, working dogs or pet dogs. All dogs can benefit from a little extra fitness. Hey fitness fanatics, today's podcast is going to be focused around groundwork and I'm going to be speaking with Joe Nutkins from Dog Training for Suffolk and Essex about just how important groundwork is. Alongside being a dog trainer and behaviourist, Joe is also a canine fitness trainer. So without further ado, let's pass this over to Joe. So this afternoon, I am Joe Nutkins and I'm talking to the lovely Hannah from Canine Physio um, and Fitness. And we are talking or talking about canine fitness in general, but mainly looking at the foundations and groundwork that we do when we start working with dogs and why it is so important, because it's a big area that we see gets missed in other places and actually if you've got the foundations in there you can build so much more with your dogs so much better and for longer um so it's such a such a big important thing so we wanted to talk to you about that it doesn't look as glamorous the groundwork as some of the other things that you see on on, online on different social medias but but it is the most important part of doing your canine fitness you can do the advanced stuff later on but the groundwork is so important so um hannah would you like to introduce yourself properly for the people here and the people that will be watching on replay later on what you and charlotte do and who you are absolutely so um thank you so much by the way for having me on today it's a real pleasure uh, my name's hannah and i'm a qualified small animal hydrotherapist and that's kind of where my journey started so i started working with Weaselbets in 2012 as their first ever apprentice um i was fresh uh, out of studying animal care at college i quickly became qualified as a hydrotherapist after pestering poor charlotte <laughs> to literally get me through the qualifications as quickly as possible um, I was just so eager to learn um, and that's never left me I will say so in my time working as a hydrotherapist I had to go through lots of hours of CPD which is continual professional development um, and this included seminars and individual research as well um, I've always been very passionate about the pre preventative side um, so educating people on prevention of things actually happening for things that can be prevented obviously um, because for me, I would rather that animals were never in pain in the first place and if we can avoid it. Mm -hmm. So that's where my passion really started to shine through. Um, I wanted to be able to educate and not only supporting working dogs and sporting dog owners, because obviously we do that. That was it's it's always been more sort of prevalent in those worlds um, conditioning, but actually getting through to pet owners, too. So over time, um, I became senior hydrotherapist and centre manager at Weasel Bears in Whitney. Um, and also I was trained in the use of a fit for life gait analysis treadmill. So I had further um, teaching in gait analysis. 
Um, sadly, I had a skin problem, which the chlorine exacerbated. And after working for two years with a dermatologist, we kind of like we were like, right, OK, it was affecting my health so much that I had to stop, which I was absolutely gutted about. So I actually still worked with Woozle Bears behind the scenes. I did have a year away and then I came back. I couldn't I couldn't stay away completely. <laughs> I've been working behind the scenes, but I always missed the work so much, which is when I decided to actually become a canine PT when Charlotte started doing more with the physio and the fitness related side of things and that was where I really got pulled back in um so again I felt like this would lead me back into that world of prevention rather than cure allowing me to work with the dogs who haven't yet had an injury to try and help build up their fitness um so that the chance of injury is reduced as much as possible um I am also studying to qualify as a pro dog trainer because I feel like in the field of rehabilitation and fitness we need to have a really good level of understanding of behavior um because there are so many places in which the two realms cross over so I've been training agility with my dog for fun for years, um, but actually recently have started to make take it more seriously now and actually start competing. So again, for me, even on a personal level, like this prevention is so, so key. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like a little bit of an introduction on myself. I felt like I talked about myself a lot there and I don't normally do that. No, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yes, given my background, like you can see, I was always going to be very cautious when I came into this line of work being a hydrotherapist, because I think sometimes it's it's easy. Maybe if you've come in from a training perspective, you've not necessarily always seen that rehab side and what actually happens and the number of injuries and things like that. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. And um, coming from a, a, a dog training background, so people that don't know what I do, um, I'm a, a pet dog trainer initially and then since 2015 I've been a, a certified professional canine fitness trainer as well and actually like you say the two overlap the two overlap from behavior and pain point of view but the amount of dogs that I see that come into classes and one-to-one -one training and doing all sorts of different even when I do tricks training there'll be things that you see in a dog you know and an owner might say oh I really want to teach them this but for some reason they can't do it all my other dogs could I don't know why this one's only young and you go, well, actually looking at them, I can see this is happening or that's happening. And it's not just they don't want to do that trick. Actually, they're saying, I can't do this because it's actually uncomfortable or there's an issue going on here. Um, or even it hasn't even got to be about the fitness, fitness side of things. When you can just see something in a dog that just doesn't look right, they're not holding themselves quite right or a dog that you know really well looks different it can actually highlight other health issues as well, can't it? So I've, I've had a dog recently in um, my agility classes. She's a little tiny cotton detoulier. She's been coming, well, the family of cottons, because we have many generations from the same owner, have been coming for agility-wise for about 10 years, I think now. I think my, her oldest dog is about 12, 13 now. And um, she still comes. And this particular one had been gaining weight, gaining weight for the last few months. Vets can't work out why. She's on diets and prescription diets and god knows what else but still solid and gaining weight and but I've noticed that the fur wasn't looking quite right I've seen that her energy levels have gone really really low um she's not looking as happy when she comes and does the she gets on with the agility but she's not as, as jumping as high she's not jumping as far she's not as fast through weaves or tunnels and she's only like six or seven she's not very old at all for the breed so um where the vets are really we're really struggling with what can be going on with this dog and the weight they were focusing on the weight side of things 
because of course vets can only know so much about everything you can't know everything about everything um I said can you try going she said bloods nothing's come back could you perhaps ask for a, a thyroid panel done because that's not something that's often done off the bat because it costs more money um it's not a regular one to get done when they're testing for things and lo and behold she's got an overactive thyroid she's been on meds a few weeks the fur's growing back her weight's going back to normal she's got all of her energy back we'd forgotten how much energy she'd had <laughs> but that was just because I knew the dog and also I could see that there were lots of things that weren't quite right about it so like you were saying about pinpointing and, and getting in there before there's pain and discomfort and, and recognizing things in dogs and even for your own dogs with agility you can actually highlight and see that there are differences with health issues that can be affecting the body and the strength and the muscle tone and, and everything else going on and the amount of dogs that I see that come in with the slightest bit of not a limp but there's just a little bit not quite right and you go oh yeah, they, they were right there there's nothing Oh, oh, do you think so? And it's just, it's so tiny that it's not easy to see, especially when you're on the end of the lead. It's easier for us at the front there to see the dogs. Um, but they tie in so well. There's so many regions and areas that tie in. And for dog training and dog behaviour, unless you go out and train to do something like, you know, pain identification and things like that, you don't really know what you're looking at. You know, so much can go un unnoticed, yet, we are in a position where we're seeing dogs every single week to notice that there's a difference or that something's going on. How many training centres for obedience are still running slippery floored village halls? Yeah, yeah. the amount <laughs> of puppy no, it's not good. Yeah, no, it's crazy. The amount of puppy classes round by me that are all in village halls and I'm there like, do they put soft matting down? Because obviously you can get those clipped together floor tiles that you can absolutely still use the venue, but pop those tiles down so that they've actually yep. got some grip. Um, that's one of my top tips actually for a lot of trainers that I speak to is is not don't obviously it's the whole like don't criticize actually just say to them no. look you go and grab these tiles they don't cost a lot you can grab them on Amazon and then yep. you've got a safe surface for them to work on really important the nice safe surface you've got your own little space for the dogs to work in especially if you've got one that's a little bit underconfident you know everyone's got their own bit of area to work in I, I've got non-stick flooring um, at my venue but I still use matting <laughs> just because I like dogs to have their own little bit of space yeah. Um, but yeah it, it does cross over a huge amount so with regards to fitness specifically for dogs um, it's a, as you know yourself it's a huge world isn't it and it just gets bigger and bigger the more you study and the more you find out about something it just opens more doors in more directions and it goes so far and so far and you can keep going and you're like me I can just keep learning about stuff especially fitness stuff um, as much as I possibly can um, and of course the more you know the more you realize that you don't actually know because <laughs> there's always something more to, to lead on to it with um, but with fitness work conditioning work strengthening work um, and definitely the prevention side of things um, with prevention there are a few different areas aren't there so you've got prevention in the environment and so we've just mentioned slippery floors so there are things that you can sort of watch out for that some are obvious and some really aren't people are surprised sometimes when you hear about labradors and hip dysplasia tend to be linked together as a general thing but so many people are shocked that have small breeds to hear that they can get hip dysplasia as well <laughs> they have hips they have the capability of having hip dysplasia so there's lots of things you can put in place that are environmental. There are lots of things that you can um, help prevent with regards to keeping your dogs nice and strong. And so what we wanted to talk about 
at this stage for everyone here is the the foundations is getting started so as Hannah said preventative is always going to be better than than cure and treatment no matter what it is but if you're looking at the fitness of a dog and the strength of a dog if you can get them stronger and aware and less likely to have an injury in the future that's better than when a dog has then had an injury and it's been mended and you've worked on it there's still going to be a weakness there and you're going to have weakness on other parts of the body as well where that's all trying to support where the injury happened so preventing it is so much better on so many levels um so the first thing you can do is look at foundations and when we work with with dogs of very different kinds in the different fields that we're in the foundation work doesn't look spectacular and glamorous and isn't what you see when you see pictures on Facebook and social media for um, come to this conditioning class or do this fitness with your dogs. It's always going to be fit bones and um, peanuts, yoga peanuts and things like that in the background, aren't they? Because they make a picture look really good. Yeah. But the foundations don't need that. You need to just be able to have your dog doing these foundations. And a lot of them can't at first. I did a conditioning session yesterday with three dogs that have never done it before. Different ages, different breeds. And just asking them to stand still. Bear in mind, one is in a class that does stand stay. But even just standing still for a few seconds was so hard for them. I couldn't imagine putting them dogs on unstable equipment because there was no way they could stand on the ground. Um, So fitness wise, when you're doing groundwork, foundation work, um, what do you find are the really important areas of putting them foundations in? Why why would you put in foundations um, and what are you maybe looking for? Does it show you anything when you do foundation work with with a new dog or existing dog? Yeah, absolutely. So to me obviously groundwork is super important it's the same as many practices you've always got to like you've already said you've got to start with a good foundation if you build a house without a foundation it's not going to withstand the forces of time absolutely um it might look all right for a little while but actually over time things are going to start to go wrong um so groundwork exercise is the foundation of good fitness conditioning Now, one of the reasons why is form. Now, firstly, we need to understand how an exercise should look. And this is much easier when our dog is on the ground while we're learning for for, for one reason. Um, You've got one less thing to think about if you're not thinking about the equipment. It's much easier for you to actually focus on their form. Um, Also, we need our dogs to be able to understand the needs of the exercise and actually physically what's being asked of them and what their correct form should be. So performing exercises on a solid surface is much easier. So they are more likely to succeed and actually begin holding the position for longer or become more able to perform a higher number of reps, for example, if if it's actually a transition exercise. Um, So proper form is essential to correct fitness conditioning. The whole idea of conditioning is improving our dog's posture in each position and their capability to perform each transition with correct muscle usage. Without good form, the likelihood of a dog having an injury is much higher. And this actually leads me into my next point is compensation techniques. 
So what happens if a dog is compensating and we don't do anything to correct this on the ground first? Well, firstly, it's so much easier for a dog to injure themselves. And this is where balance equipment often gets a bad rep because there is stuff being passed around at the minute. The balance equipment is bad for dogs. Mm. Um, but obviously, if it comes from somewhere like this, then that, that's where it's coming from. So if the dog is already compensating, likely what they'll do when you bring in balance equipment is actually further use that compensation technique which only strengthens them in that poor form um, it's not always the case as sometimes actually balance equipment can cause the use of the weaker area making it harder for the dog to compensate but in a number of cases that I've seen it has the opposite effect this is why we always say only skip groundwork if a physiotherapist has suggested for you to so actually working with that professional in that moment they know exactly what they're doing and they're working with you in the moment which is slightly different obviously like what I do online because actually like there's quite a few cases where I'll say actually no I want you to go and see a physiotherapist and I'm not shy of doing that and I think that's really important for a fitness instructor because the way that I look at a fitness instructor like myself is I'm a PT I'm not there to rehab. Obviously, in the when I was doing the hydrotherapy, I was, but actually what I'm doing now is not rehabilitation. And when I feel like it's got to be referred on, then it gets referred on. Um, but coming back into the groundwork, another reason is training as well. So while training our dogs new skills, many of us know that we want to make it easy for them in the earlier stages. We don't want their senses to be overloaded, which is why many trainers, like, for example, will have you start training. Um, if you're teaching a new skill, you learn it in a low distraction environment and gradually build it up. So the same principle wants to be applied across to conditioning. The more that we give them to think about, the harder it will be for them to focus on actually getting good form. Adding in equipment adds another stimulus, making it more mentally challenging for them. And more exciting in a lot of cases. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> if a dog's got an area of their body that's weaker, as most dogs do, the same as what we do, um, we need to make it less mentally challenging for them because when we start asking them to use that area, it becomes much more physically challenging. So take away some of that mental aspects as well as another reason that it's just so important to actually focus on that groundwork. Absolutely, absolutely is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> with regards to the instability equipment there are so many exercises that you can do with even just one piece of equipment isn't there um we've got a a, a comment in the chat for oh, where's it gone there we go from charlie saying that she's had a fit bone for a month or two still not used it for stand or sit yet um it's only being used for an obstacle course um of course fit bones are great for an obstacle course um so there's there's a big difference between thinking okay I'm going to ask my dog that's never done any conditioning work whatsoever um and I you know maybe they're seven or eight years old and I just want to make sure they're a bit stronger I'm going to stick them on a fit bone and make them do 50 sits to stands in a row which obviously would be exhausting for anyone yeah. there's a big difference from that and having a fit bone to just see can my dog walk over it are they able to maybe put the front paws on it it's going to be, a, you know, it's something that's it's going to be a lot less risky to use it for little exercises. I mean, I've I've had dogs working on peanuts before now, but they've actually only used it for a stretch. I've literally just used it to help do a little bit of a shoulder stretch yeah. while they're doing other groundwork. I'm not asking them to stand on it and balance for, you know, 10 minutes <laughs> on the yeah. off chance. So, no, absolutely. The, the instability equipment can come in, can come in at all levels. Definitely. Um yeah. 
and yeah adding making sure they can do it if they can't do it on the ground then they're not going to be able to do it on no absolutely I mean this is the thing where we say it's the foundation is all of these groundwork exercise and there are loads of groundwork exercises that you can learn they could they can all be applied onto equipment the whole point is you learn them on the ground first and then they apply them to the equipment when they're ready though that's the key thing and one of my things actually is because like you say all the exciting bits of equipment it's all the sexy stuff like the fit bones and the peanuts and the donuts everybody wants to get on it one of the things that I really do for people that I can see are like potentially going to rush actually is I will say I'll very quickly just say right we're going to bring in an obstacle course because what that does is it gives them a safe exercise that you can do at any level and actually they've got to use their equipment which is great and then they can go back and actually just be like right okay and groundwork exercises we are just sticking to the ground um so an obstacle course for anybody that doesn't know it's really really good for um all healthy dogs um we do this a lot particularly with puppies as well Uh, targets the use of a whole body and it's a proprioceptive exercise so it improves their body awareness um you can use like a variety of equipment um, or objects which includes like raised surfaces um raised stable surfaces and you can also bring in the balance things as well so you could use like kato boards and climbs if you've got them um but then even if you've not got things like that you can use if you've got little platforms around your home as long as they're stable and non-slip you can bring in and then balance equipment you can bring in your fit bones and your wobble boards and your wobble cushions anything you want to bring in like that or substitutes if you've got pillows and cushions around your home they offer a little bit of instability so you can do those kinds of things with them mix up the order of it and just gently walk them across it three or four times and that's all they need to start getting a little bit of use out of this equipment that was one that I, want, I always like to put that forward as to, to anybody that's thinking about getting into fitness to like I say curb that want to go straight <laughs> in and get on your equipment this is a safe way and you can just start with one piece and then add gradually add pieces depending on the confidence of the dog and things like that as well um it's really really great exercise and when we go a bit more in depth we're actually teaching it but yeah no it's a really great exercise to pull in quite soon on I think to help an obstacle obstacle course I found with some dogs um, I work with a lot of terriers which is not surprising as I have terriers myself um and there's some terriers that I work with that are just so oh everything's there's life in places and I can't focus on what I'm doing and actually giving them a a safe obstacle course to work on where you've got things going up and down and a little bit of a ramp and something that wobbles a little bit when they put their feet on it helps to get them just a little bit more focused on what they're doing they've got to think about where their feet are going um they get a chance to slow down a little bit and actually think about what they're doing and then going back to the groundwork exercises you've got a dog that's focused as well as I know that's quite happy with the fact that they've got to do some stuff (laughs) and they feel like their dog has done some exercise as opposed to the standing still um, um, bits and pieces. Um, Hang on a second. Carl would have rather caught the fly buzzing around yesterday than do her exercises. (laughs) (laughs) You've got to have fun while you're training if that includes buzzing flies. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. I mean, I tell you what, though, going back to the injuries thing, I feel like I talk about injuries a lot and actually that like, yes, do the conditioning because it prevents injuries. And sometimes I feel like that importance of groundwork, expanding on actually the the why of, of what happens when your dog has an injury to make you not want that injury to happen because it's it's a painful process mentally and obviously mentally and physically for your dog. Um, it can so actually, off, can't it? Sorry, if, if they have an injury, it can then make them um, 
wary of doing whatever the activity was or going to the area that it happened in um if they have that injury and even then if they are you know if they've just rested and recovered if they've had to have surgery whatever it might be you've then got a dog that's maybe wary of what happened previously so then they lose confidence and don't want to do some of the things that they used to do um so then you've got a dog that maybe isn't then working their body the way they used to just naturally just walking just just getting away around the house and so then that can have a knock-on effect to the rest of the body for their future as well so yeah if we preventing the injuries isn't just about the pain side which obviously is a huge thing but the other knock-on effects that can happen as well and of course with dogs with injuries they can have an injury that isn't obvious but causing discomfort and they can have that weeks and months before they show a big big sign that we recognize as being pain so that we even preventing those injuries means that we can be even the tiny injuries that might not be obvious dogs can have broken toes without anyone knowing can't they <laughs> well yeah in fairness like to put it in a slightly i know we don't like to, we don't always like to humanize dogs too much but i ran a sprint race with a broken toe and a one and i'm not being, but, but my point being that like nobody knew i had a broken toe like, I won the race. <laughs> but that just puts into perspective that actually, particularly if you've got a dog that is that, that gets over, like the, the adrenaline will take over because that's what happens with me because I'm a competitive person. That was why I was like, I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> like, no, don't do that. That's really stupid. Please, nobody go and run a race with a broken toe. It was really stupid and it really hurt. <laughs> not at all not at all but it's just that it just puts the point across that actually that adrenaline will override it and you won't know that it's happening it's amazing what they can do obviously you've touched on pain already and we don't want our dogs to be in pain um and anyone that suffered an injury and has gone through the rehab knows that it's painful as owners of pet dogs sports dogs and working dogs alike we want to protect them and obviously preventing pain is always a key part of that rehab rehab obviously i know this i've worked in the hydrotherapy center for five years rehab can take ages it can take absolutely ages now the rehabilitation process is often a lengthy one and depending on the injury it can take months sometimes over a year and that's how long you're potentially looking at your dog being on restricted, well, well, complete cage rest to begin with, then restricted exercise. And it can go on for that long. Um, it's amazing, really, sometimes how long actually it can take, particularly if it's like ligaments and tendons and things like that, because they take a very, very, very long time um, to heal. And then obviously actually rehab them after, well, during the process of healing and after healing as well. So even with the best in the business, using a multidisciplinary team, it can take a very long time. And usually that time is spent um, with your dog, like I said, on restricted exercise. It may mean less time doing the things that they love, like long walks with you or um, playing with their friends, like their doggy friends playing with them. Um, or whether it's their agility and things like that, you've got to take them out of agility and you've then lost like the best part of a, well, well an entire, you can lose an entire competition season. Yeah. Um, so to what to what sounds like a better option to people spending 10 minutes five times a week helping to condition their dog's body mm. and, and then maybe adding in that 10 minutes of, of a warm up before they actually do any strenuous exercise. That to me sounds like a much better thing and a little bit like of giving some time up to actually spending months and months rehabbing a dog and then completely lost everything. That's it. 
and also it can be so much fun even the groundwork can be so much fun and dogs I don't think in the last few years I've come across a dog yet that hasn't enjoyed doing some sort of even the groundwork but some sort of fitness work they like they get the the one-on-one time with their owner they're getting time just dedicated to them they're getting told how great they are for sometimes doing what looks like very little but obviously the body's working hard why why wouldn't you want to just do 10 minutes of that every day (laughs) no I couldn't I couldn't agree more with that definitely um but yes you've also got the behavioral side of it like again you've already touched some of it uh, touched on the behavioral side of it but actually it's a massive pain in the butt for dog and human going through that rest period um the restricted exercise as well the restricted exercise normally isn't quite so hard depending on your dog but particularly that rest period is like and if you've potentially got to do that for six weeks yeah for an active breed, it's hard. And that's coming from somebody who has, I've had to deal with that on three occasions with my own dogs and obviously gone wow. through it with other people. Cause that's something that you like rehab for anybody that's ever thinking about it or anybody that's in it knows that actually you're a support system. You're not just there to do the rehab. You're actually a support system and you share tears with people and it's hard. And actually, and that is even like, it can be as, as serious as obviously a neurological issue of a dog that's paralyzed. Um, but it can be like tears are shed over injuries and things as well. And it is, it's so, so hard um on the owners as well as it is on the dog so this is why I'm just so unbelievably passionate about obviously uh, preventing that injury and like you've already said as well but again going a little bit further is that re-injury when there's that weakened area it's so much more likely to actually re-injure and you've always got that in the back of your mind so even after you've gone through that lengthy process of rehabilitation you're then always worried about re-injury to that area um, because it happens all too often. Like we, we see it all the time. Um, so once an area has been injured, it's going to be weaker and more prone to injury. Uh, that is, it, in my experience, obviously, as a hydrotherapist, as well as doing what I'm doing now. Um, so, yeah, I just, it's like the, things like cru- uh, cruciate ligaments, for example. It's quite a big, yeah, cruciate. Quite a big example, but cruciate ligaments majority of dogs that that we know would rupture one or tear one and then the other would also go as well because of that compensation technique because obviously they shift the weight off and they shift over to the other leg and they start compensating Um, and that's where we like we we see that second that second injury happen um so quite often that would be a case where we would have a dog come in and they would come in for rehabilitation. They go through the rehabilitation progress and they we would say to the owner that obviously we recommend for dogs that have got cruciate ruptures that they come in for maintenance sessions to prevent that obviously compensation from actually happening. But what we would then see is that they would stop coming thinking my dog's healed and thinking that obviously maybe, maybe thinking that we were just trying to get more money out of them when obviously we're only ever coming from that professional point because we do have dogs that we sign off completely um but actually certain cases like we 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 wouldn't rather not and we would rather that we know that actually it's beneficial for them to keep coming in and then a year later they're in with the other ruptured cruciate going i really wish i'd listened to you but that but this is my point of this whole prevention rather than cure it's yeah it's that's that's my kind of like chat on injury anyway that's a big I think that to to people to hear that why is really important of why we want to avoid the injury in the first place yes Yes, Um, um 
And just to add on to that, and actually cruise ship was the one I was thinking of, but it obviously can happen for more things. When we think of preventing an injury for our dogs, we might well be thinking, well, my dog doesn't do agility or fly ball or any of these big sports. We go on walks and sometimes I might, you know, throw a ball for them occasionally, but not very often. I don't think my dog is in a position to particularly get injured. You know, they're not going to do a big movement that's going to cause an injury. But I feel what a lot of pet owners don't realise is that some of the big injuries, which would include cruciate sometimes, actually don't have to have one big thing happen for yeah. it to tear. Actually, you can have so many tiny little fractury, teary things happening where a dog's just turned or had, you know, they've gone over. So where I am, there's gravel on the floor here. You know, if they've gone to run somewhere and turn and their legs gone out because it's gravelly, you know, that can cause a tiny little bit of a strain on the ligament. And then over time, it just goes. Yeah. So it's preventing that sort of thing from happening is just as important with a dog that, just has walks and does things at home as a dog that's doing high level sports on a regular basis competing um and things like that because it doesn't have to be a one one off there's an injury it can be something that's happened over months and years of wear and tear and doing things um but having a dog that is strong and got a good body and and maybe having a dog that actually understands what they're doing because not all dogs know where they're putting their feet you know I've got a seven month old Labrador at the moment I swear she doesn't think she's got any legs. They're all over the place. Yeah. She puts in all sorts of positions and you just think, oh my God, how she's not broken something yet? I had no idea. Um, so I'm working with her to try and help her have an understanding that she has back legs as well as front legs. And that, yes, there's a table there. Don't walk into it because she's got no clue. She's got no clue. So she's a candidate for all sorts of issues, I think, when she's older. <laughs> Mainly because she doesn't got an idea she's got body. Um so, yes, I, I, we just had um, a, a message come up in the chat. Takes so long to get to it. There we go. Um, oh, we've got two things. Um, from Lauren, who said, I need to use treats to lure my dog into a position. Is this okay? I worry it takes away from the fitness element if I'm giving them treats. Um, and there is another message also from Charlie, which is, I buy JR, oh, JR treats just for fitness. I love using treats. It makes me think more about luring, keeping their form as well as it's oh my god as it's on me if it goes wrong so honestly I don't know how to speak apparently at the moment um so treat wise I don't know your feelings on treat wise for me I am a reward based trainer and a treat trainer so treats are a good thing for me anyway um I use treats myself when luring I use very small treats for luring I prefer to lure because for me it means that my dog is more likely to be doing things slowly more controlled less likely to just kind of fall off something or land on a piece of equipment funny if they have something to follow while they're going and because they're moving I so again so far in these last seven years I haven't had dogs gaining weight through having treats I don't give them like a great big I don't like gravy bones or anything halfway through <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do just a little stand and we're going to have a huge treat at the end of this they are very small treats so we'll say um but it's the same with obedience training to be fair dogs don't necessarily put on weight getting treats for obedience training because they're generally unless you're doing just a stand stay for half an hour and treating through continuously they're going to be moving about they're doing stuff they're burning off much but it doesn't always have to be about actual treat treats you can reduce their food or give them their food depending on what they're on my dogs are raw fed so I tend to not use like a raw chicken wing for <laughs> fitness training so I think they'd get too excited with that 
Um, but how, what do you what are your thoughts on um, on treat training for fitness work? I am very much the same as what you've just said. I am completely the same. I love luring, low arousal luring, specifically not high arousal luring. Um, I, I avoid shaping because it creates erratic yes. behaviours. We don't want that. And I don't like my dogs have been doing this for two years now. Um, all of this extra fitness stuff, and I have never taken the treats away. They still get lured because actually I know the second that I stop luring and there's that not that food there for them to focus on, they are likely to start doing feet shuffling and things like that. Um, and again, they'll offer different, different behaviours again, which you don't necessarily want them to do. So I think it's really important. That actually, the food stays there. You can reduce the frequency of how often you reward. That's one of my key things with groundwork is do not be shy of lots and lots of rewards. Really key, particularly when you're trying to teach them a new position, um, because actually, if, if you don't reward them quickly enough and actually they break and then you reward them afterwards, what you've taught them is you're, you're rewarding the break more than anything than actually rewarding the position itself so like for example when I've got a dog in a stand I will feed 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 and then stop and then and but the, the stop happens when they stop or if it depending on what your criteria is if you're improving their form you're watching their form you're feeding them as soon as they've moved that foot from that position you want it in it stops so yeah. it's super clear to them exactly what's getting them the reward and that helps to build it faster and that you do get to phase the, phase the treats out yeah. um I do have a tip because I raw feed and actually I use my dog's dinner. Um, so um, I've got the tubes, uh, squeezy tubes from AOK when they released them not that long ago. Um, and they've been brilliant. I just put the mints in there. Obviously, if they're going to have to, like, like you said, you can't <laughs> bit difficult to use a chicken wing but if you've got like a minced raw food if you're a raw feeder to put that in there and you can you can use their food allowance if you're worried about weight um I have had I've got four dogs currently um or have been in with the weight loss program they've all been having treats throughout and they've all lost weight but whilst also being fed lots of food so absolutely not a problem to be feeding them um their food I tend to try and go for something healthy but then that's me on my healthy side of things I like I like that but if your dog won't work for something healthy then so be it do you know what I mean like yeah that's yeah so where Charlie's mentioned the JR treats for, for anyone who's wondering what a JR treat is it's uh, JR pet products uh, make lots of different types of treats with a single protein so you could choose to go for something like you know rabbit that's got a lower or turkey that's got a lower um level of protein in if you really wanted to look at <laughs> what you're feeding your dog at any point um different treats depending on what you're giving them when i because i've got small dogs when i choose a treat if it's a shop brought one i always go for something that either if it isn't tiny to start with i need to be able to break it down it's so rare that my dogs get a full-size treat at any point they have to kind of do several things and eventually get the whole treat given in small pieces um or if I can't break it up myself. So um, some of the JR treats, the sticks that they use, I'll chop them smaller. Yeah. I'll probably have a podcast on or something in the background. They'll be asleep, chop them up small. They're ready for when I do some training next. Um, but yes, making your treats smaller goes a long, long way. And especially like you're saying with um, longevity and, and, and feeding, 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 small, tiny treats yeah. makes it feel so much better when you're feeding like that than if you have got big treats that they then got to take a bit. 
And you're going, well, now you're eating that. And now you've got to lay down to eat it. Oh, for goodness sake. Funny <laughs> treats, much, much easier. <laughs> um, so with a dog that uh, maybe isn't that foodie, um, what have you used toys I have used uh, not very rare not very often but I have used toys mainly with dogs that I've been able to do some basics with so one dog that stands out is um, a lovely lovely border terrier who's no longer with us but um, we had to do work with him he did work anyway throughout his life and then when he got meningitis the chemo was causing huge huge muscle wastage on them back legs um, to the point where he just couldn't even step in the back door it just happened over like a couple of weeks really quickly so we slowly built him up and then the diabetes caused blindness within a couple of days so we've now got a dog that needs to do the conditioning work has diabetes so can't have a very very varied diet at all and can't see um, and needs to do this fitness work and so we were using a tennis ball but he knew what I wanted him to do so he yeah. would be able to do it and then I'd put the ball in his mouth, get him off what we were doing, and then he'd have the ball for a moment to squeak it. Yeah. But I haven't done that from a dog that's not done anything before. Have you worked with any dogs? I suppose in Hydro, you've, you've worked with dogs with toys quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. We use a lot of toys in Hydro. Toy, when we're doing Hydro, to be fair, quite often toys were prefer, preferable over food, to be honest. Um, but no, it's obviously I've kind of like flipped the switch here and now yeah. I'm working more with food. I would say for these exercises, because I've got two dogs that actually, it's not that they're not foodie, it's actually that they get way too over aroused when food's involved. So you go, they're the other end of the scale. I've not yet had a dog come to me that's not food orientated, but I would consider using this same thing. We taught a very solid nose touch, nose target moving nose target you could also do it with a chin target as well that would be my biggest um like tip for dogs that are not foodie or if you're struggling because they're too like uh, to be fair b is like she gets quite over aroused with food and actually i did a chin target for quite a few things with her until i managed to start bringing food back in i'd always rather bring the food back in because for me it's easier um so i'd like to try and work through that if i can but for, no for that time being yeah nose target um, is a really good one so literally keep their nose you want their nose on your hand the whole time and you can move their head to wherever you want them and keep them looking where you want um and then obviously the reward is then they break and get their toy or whatever it is else that do you know some people never realize actually that you can reward a dog with a behavior if they find a certain behavior really rewarding like my aurora leg weaves is the best thing in the world like yeah. i can reward her with a leg weave <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. this is great and then I'll go back and do the calm thing again and yes yes leg weave <laughs> she loves it it's brilliant that's really good I like that um yes you the, the hydro thing we're all just going back backtracking a tiny bit um when I've had two dogs doing hydro in the past and none of my terriers they'll they'll retrieve but they retrieve to get a treat they're just not toy orientated at all so they had to do their hydro and then they'd come out and then they'd get a couple of bits of treat and then go back in the pool again bless them so being in the pool non-reward whatsoever getting out the pool get a treat <laughs> counterproductive but it's the only way we can do things unfortunately um but uh, so i'm just watching what people are doing around here i don't know what the time is i know all right i think they're gonna start locking the gate soon um i'll be stuck here all night um so um yeah so yeah food use food everyone use food as much as you can but yeah make it tiny yeah, <laughs> and don't be shy of like sorry i was gonna say not too sticky as well because again i've worked with dogs okay. that you get the and they're going 
yeah. trying to get it just off the roof of their mouths and things like that. But if you have got something like again JR stuff, um, you can get like their pate, which you can chop smaller. If yeah. that is a little bit sticky-ish, you know, stick it in the fridge, you can put it in the freezer for like five, ten minutes just to cool it right down and you're back to having quite nice treats again. I end up holding so much in my hand, every treat ends up a bit warm and melted. <laughs> doesn't matter what I'm using. It's a bit soft by the time I've given it to them. But um, they seem quite happy with that, I think. Um, so um, with regards to groundwork exercises, do you have any favourites? So you might not get to use it with every dog. But do you have any um, groundwork exercises that you particularly like working on with your dogs? I'm, I'm, what I'm going to do, because I'm seeing the car park empty out and this place closes at four and I think they're going to shut a gate. So I'm going to mute myself in a second while you talk. And yeah. Park <laughs> All right. So I'll be That's moving. But <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> before I do jump into that exercise question, I just wanted to add in another little quick key point is actually before I forget to say it, it's never too late to come back to groundwork. Um, so very often I've got a new client come to me that's been uh, that's been sort of asking their dog to perform a number of different exercises on balance equipment at home. And I actually then will take away all equipment and pull them back to groundwork to improve their form and execution of exercises before taking them back onto any equipment. Um, so obviously, if you're sat there thinking that maybe your dog's form could do with improving, let's get them back on the ground and start strengthening them with correct posture in mind. And you can do that at any point. So even if you've done the groundwork exercise, you take them up and then you start to notice that things maybe aren't quite as good as what they were. And you pull them back down to the ground and even you look at the ground again and you go, oh, maybe pull them back to the ground. Like there is absolutely no harm in that um, to actually bring them back to make sure that we're looking after them exercises wise my favorite or oh, one that I'm really loving at the minute um actually is probably pivots so pivots with front paws on um and pivot with back paws on so pivot with front paws on with their front paws on if you're doing it as a groundwork exercise so people obviously quite often think they've got to have their feet on a piece of equipment actually you can use a target for example or um something like a fit pause donut holder is another example so they've actually got something to keep their feet within to make it obvious for them and actually practicing that pivot at a groundwork level is really important something i love to bring in with pivots is foot targets as well um, so foot target for obviously the the feet that are stationary and keeping well obviously stationary to a degree because they've got to turn them as they're twisting around the object but actually using targets for the limbs that are moving to give them something to aim for because that is really crucial to good form so actually making sure because quite often what i see in dogs that pivot and they've been doing it for quite a while is actually they roach their back they arch their back upwards quite a lot when they're doing it and actually we want to try and keep that top line as level as possible so top line when we say top line we're talking about the dog's spine um so really, really important one is actually using targets and particularly something that's got proprioceptive feedback. So um, I think Charlie's just said in the chat, yes, the Sensi targets for pivoting, they're really, really good to give your dog something to aim for. And actually it makes them obviously move their back legs back. So then it helps their top line because they keep their, their back legs in a better position. Um, and the same goes for when you're pivoting with back paws on something. So again, those back paws are stationary and the front paws are pivoting around. I find that dogs find that a lot harder to pick up. 
um but it is it's a really good exercise obviously for um strengthening those shoulder adductors and abductors and then when you're pivoting with front paws on and the back legs are moving you're getting the hip adductors and abductors um those are two of my favorite exercises at the moment um i, I do love a pivot i will say pivoting <laughs> is a nice one i've had to do a lot of work with merlin to get him to, to learn to pivot but ripley yes she's a pivoting queen she loves yes. a good pivot yes good no, we love that. um another one that i'm really liking at the minute actually um is lateral stepping up and down with four limbs i feel like i'm doing quite a lot of um work on clients whose dog's shoulders their foot no, their front end needs strengthening so this is another one that i'm really liking at the moment and this does require a piece of equipment but to kind of do it from a groundwork level because obviously they're not quite on the ground is actually having a solid raised platform rather than using any balance equipment because you would progress it to balance but you would begin with it on a solid platform. Um, and this is just where they're stepping down from side to side off the piece of equipment. Um, that one's really good for, again, shoulder strengthening exercise. And the lower you have their head, the more weight they put into their front. So actually, ideally, I ask people to reward down on the floor. So they put the food on the floor so the dog steps off with one leg to come down to get it to then come back up and bring themselves back up. Um, so that's another exercise that I really like. Something to not overlook, though, is holding posture. So actually their ability to hold posture um, like in a sit, stand and down, because they are the most common things that we ask our dogs to do, the sit, stand and down. So actually being really, really aware of what is correct form in a stand, in a sit and in a down is so, so, so important. Like, for example, I'll talk through a stand. Um, so in a neutral stand, all four of their feet should be under each corner of the dog's body. Something that we commonly see, the most common thing that I see is their back legs are tucked too far underneath them. Um, their front feet should be in line with their shoulder. Their back should be nice and straight. So we call this top line, nice and level top line. What is appropriate to breed, I should add there, because obviously if you get like a whippet or a greyhound, they've got that natural curve to their spine. That is their confirmation. That will never be perfectly straight. That's why we say level top line rather than straight, to be honest. Um, head and neck should be in a nice neutral position. So looking forwards. Um, their muzzle ideally parallel to the ground again that does slightly depend a little bit on breed and their conformation but most dogs muzzle parallel to the ground their rear parson so that's the point from between their hock and their foot so that's the their hock is the little bit that kind of sticks out on their back leg um the bit between their hock and their foot is their rear parson that should be perpendicular to the ground as should their forearm so that should be at a nice right angle to the ground um so like I've said, again, be aware that that might look different for certain breeds, such as the German Shepherd, who quite often have to actually stagger their back legs, depending on their conformation. Um, so, yes, that's what uh, that's what ideally we want a correct stand to look like. And the majority of dogs that come to me can't stand with decent form. And actually, we're, we're actually working really hard on just just improving that stand before we really start doing too much else to stand the sit and the down because those are quite um they're very key to all of the other groundwork exercises so they need to be able to do those properly with correct form to even get the groundwork exercises correct they do i've, I've literally just come up for car park now um just with the stand Another thing that's quite hard, I find, is obviously when we're watching someone else do a stand with their dogs, we can see exactly what the dog's doing. 
But for a lot of people, obviously, if they are at the head end of their dog, which they probably are, um, because that's where the treat goes in normally, um, they are not going to see what their dog's rear end's doing. So it's it can be harder, can't it? So there are ways of helping get... Oh, I think we've lost you for a second there, Joe. I don't know if that's just me. Get that stand. I'm in a car park, um, or using one back. The amount of times that I'm um, <laughs> actually videoing my dogs when I'm working with them, but I'm not doing anything with that video specifically. I'm just going to that. There we go. Look at that. Um, I'm just literally using the video to see what my dogs are doing in the background. I mean, I've got dogs that are literally this long. <laughs> I can kind of see what they're doing in the hand. But even so, it means that I can just do what I'm doing and just literally look at what they're doing, wherever the camera or the mirror might be. And I can see, OK, what are they doing? That's not quite right. Or I just need to move them forward or back or wherever it might be. Or even where are my hands? Why are my hands this high for my height dog? For goodness sake. Yeah. Pull like this, trying to trying to reach the treat. Um, and in the meantime, now sitting because I've lifted the head too high. So, yeah. So, yeah, you form for a stand. It's, it's a funny one because people when you teach a stand, people go, oh, dogs can stand. Why would we need to teach them to stand? Well, because they're not going to just offer it if they don't want to. Um, but, yeah, breed specific, definitely. And getting that stand position and getting dogs to stand still. It's, it's, it's like when you ask a dog to stand still, it's like asking a toddler in a shop to not touch anything, isn't it? It's just the hardest thing in the world to not move. And it's like they stand still and they go, but what if my foot goes here now? Why? <laughs> but it can yeah. be hard. It can be hard because stillness is hard for a dog. Yeah. It can be hard because it's a, it's a harder boundary. Out of, the, out of the three main course stays that we teach in obedience, the stand stay tends to be the hardest for most dogs because a sit stay or a down stay, they have to physically move position to break the stay. When they're in a stand stay, it's so easy to shift a foot, swing the bum, whatever it might be and just slightly move out of position or turn to see what's going on behind them um, and likewise getting them into a stand position when they're still learning you end up with a dog with with one back legs over here somewhere and this back leg hasn't quite straightened and the front ones are both facing inwards because they don't realize they're going to stand still they kind of go to move and go oh we're stopping this isn't comfortable at all <laughs> do it a bit more they start to go oh i know what this is they start actually putting their feet where it's comfortable for them and, and standing quite nicely then don't they yeah. um i quite like using very 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 low platforms so place boards for things yeah. like a stand not not anything like tiny for individual foot placement but just two platforms put in a nice place for the size of the dog so they can just learn to step onto one onto the next one oh you want my feet on here that's fine. I find that not not anything moving at all, just literally two place boards, non-slip surface, just to help them know where to put their feet. I would note on that. So obviously we actually, when 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 it becomes, uh, when you pop them onto equipment, that, that becomes bridging rather than a stand. So that is, I think, is a key element, the key thing to bring in. Because as soon as, um, I like to put this into perspective of as soon as you raise them off the ground, and particularly if you've got that gap in between, they will actually 
they, it um, triggers their balance more. So actually you tend to cause more what we call isometric contractions, which is what happens when a dog is stood still. So when people think that your dog is just standing still, actually those muscles are working. It's just what we call isometric contractions. Um, it's full body, it's full body, particularly if they're having to rebalance. If you do a stand mm -hmm. and you do a weight shift in the stand, that that is the isometric contractions because obviously it's just nothing is actually really properly engaging the same way that it would um as if you were doing a transition um but no that's that would be one of my key things is that is bridging and we do use that to actually step up the stand so i do that before i even take them onto balance equipment i go groundwork then bridging then i think about balance equipment i do use platform boards without a gap sometimes for dogs that really struggle is one of the things if you're really struggling with that because sometimes just giving them that defined area allows them to realize okay no i've got to stay on this platform and i'm going to keep still um, and another thing yeah. is, teach, I re, what I really love doing is teaching really, really solid foot targets. So having flat yes. foot targets that are on the floor so that they know exactly, right, okay, I've got to put all my feet on these foot targets. And it's still flat. There's no balance equipment. And that is so, so helpful for all exercises going forwards. That was why we released yeah. our work course as quickly as, uh, sorry, the targeting course as quick, quickly as we did, because I was like, these dogs all need to know targeting. Like, please, everybody learn targeting. Get your dog to know what each foot is. Like, get, and, and even giving, as far as giving them a name and giving each foot a cue and things yes. like that as well. Um, I think that's really important because the faster that they learn how to free stack, so yep. to speak, the faster that they're actually going to build muscle memory you will build muscle memory by physically placing them so if you've got them in a stand and you want to move their feet to actually get them into the right position you can place them and they will start to build muscle memory in that position and that does help for a dog that cannot yet free stack however the faster that they can do it on their own the faster that you're going to see progression absolutely and of course then if they're doing it on their own there's no there's the possibility of any age dog of any breed and any background having a tiny bit of discomfort somewhere they could have just bruised themselves you know it could be aero who's just yet again walked into something um and so if you're physically honestly life with aero is is hard it's fun but hard um if you're physically placing the legs that might not be the movement that they would naturally do to put the leg there compared to if they can do it by themselves and, and actually do it more comfortably for themselves um so yeah doing it by themselves definitely definitely more preferred where possible not always possible not all dogs have an awareness of legs <laughs> or feet or anything else going on around them um but doing that and the targeting really helps with that awareness as well doesn't it which in turn can actually help prevent injuries because they're aware of lifting feet over things and that they've got something behind them that they're going to hit if they turn too sharply and things like that. They actually have more awareness of where their body is going. So it actually has a kind of a complete circle, doesn't it? We do the conditioning and fitness work to help prevent injuries, but actually just the basic targeting stuff can also help because it makes them more aware of their bodies and, and where they are and what they're doing, um, which is which is really, really cool. <laughs> I do. I love a target. I love targeting. It's so handy. Foot targets and going back to the nose targets and the chin targets and all of the other bits and pieces that you can target with a dog. Um, it's It makes life easier for the dog and the owner because it's something familiar with if they already know it. But it you can use it. For, so again, weight shifting, as you mentioned a little while ago, just getting a target 
can make a weight shift so much easier without it being overexciting because the treat's there and we're not sure where the treat needs to be and the dog doesn't know if they're meant to be grabbing it or not. Um, nose target takes the whole lot away. Makes everything makes everything a bit more boring but manageable. <laughs> boring yeah. is good sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. A dog that can do full body targets, that shows a lot of proprioception. That shows a lot of body yeah. awareness. Like I've I do yeah. I do know dogs that actually I have yet to teach all of mine this, but that I've seen dogs that literally like if they know that a hand is there and they've got a cue to shift their hip to move yeah. their hip into their hand, or even their tr- like part of their trunk i've seen dogs like doing things like that before as well um and it's it's amazing but it just goes to show just how much proprioception that dog has got which is just so so important so important huge isn't it i mean i've <laughs> i've taught one of mine ripley um when she's her tail's up most of the time but when she's focusing on or concentrating on something the tail just goes and just hangs like an old sock <laughs> so I taught her to target her tail on my hand as well, just for something fun to do one day. Um, so that when she's not like she shows for seriousness, she shows just because I can go in the ring with treats under 12 months of age, which she can't do in any other sport. Um, but when I'm doing showing with her, I can just then go, oh, where's your tail? And she'll go, oh, tail goes up. <laughs> and she Brilliant. goes from, huh, I haven't got a tail to, I have and I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> so she looks happy on the outside but she is happy because she's just on a target and she likes targeting. That's brilliant. Yeah, no, I love that. Love what, that. What stupid thing am I teaching my dog today? <laughs> <laughs> Tail target. So no, they are, they are. They can be so aware of their bodies, can't they? Which yeah. is um, which is so nice to see as well, because like you say, they they are less likely to fall down hold just where I've parked now. There's all sorts of bumps and things in the ground. And, like, you know, so many dogs would go down those holes or land a little bit funny or or just avoid it completely because they know it's going to be uncomfortable to walk on whereas a dog that's got that body awareness is going to be much much more likely to go out to go on any surface work themselves out adjust themselves accordingly prevent accidents and injuries and, and just be able to get on with their day so much better yeah um so yes so yeah pivoting i was driving at the time but not going oh i love pivoting <laughs> I need to stop. I need to go off mute. Um, <laughs> bloody hell, why now? Um, they, they were getting packed away, ready to shut the gates. So that was good timing on my behalf. Uh, so, yes. So is there anything you would like to mention? Actually, I would like you to mention. I'm sure some of the people here already know about it. But if people want to do more fitness with their dogs and get started on some groundwork and foundation work or even targeting work for example um so bear in mind not everyone watching this is here now we'll have people on the replay as well what on earth could they do to l- learn more about groundwork and foundation work and targeting work of course well i'm really glad that you asked that so obviously this is the services that we offer um now services that we've got available to help you to be able to condition your dog and go through those groundwork and also build into the more sexy stuff um services that we offer we offer one-to-one sessions so if you just want to do some one-to-one stuff you want to have um somebody else's eyes on your dog all the time um, then absolutely one-to-one sessions will be great for you If you're somebody that likes to learn, as I know so many people that come into conditioning are, um, then the Canine Fitness app is the one for you, definitely. 
Now we've got um, we've got a few courses on there already. We're already building loads more courses, um, but we've got a couple of courses on there already um, for you to actually learn the theory. So you get to learn the theory behind canine conditioning, behind the groundwork, um, and then actually learn the exercises themselves. So you can do that on the app with the courses. Um, and you can purchase individual courses, absolutely. Or if you want to, you can actually subscribe and just have access to all of our, all of our core courses that we release. Um, and we've also um, got a subscriber only section that gets extra bits and bobs chucked in there as well. So we've got lots of different learning options. Obviously, the great thing about the app is that you can do it at your, in your own time. So you're not necessarily restricted um, time wise um, by obviously booking in those sessions. So if you're somebody who's got a very busy schedule. Um, the other thing that we do as well is I do a, gra a groundwork challenge, which is a six week fully coached course where you have constant access to me. You can message me at any time um, and get lots of lots of uh, help from me whilst you're going through that groundwork course. And included within that, you get the groundwork course and the targeting course as well. Um, so those are the sorts of things that you can do. So that gives you the option, like you can learn it yourself and you can do it at home with your own dogs, or you can come to a professional if you're not sure, or whilst you're starting to learn, because quite often I'll have somebody that comes to me for six months and then they start to feel more confident in what they're doing. And they're like, right, okay, actually I feel like I have more of an ability to do this on my own with the, the extra like guidance of the app um, to have those things in there. And the other thing about the app as well is if you subscribe, you also get discounts on one to one sessions with me as well, um, whether that's in person or whether that's um, online, because we do a lot of it online. The reason I do so much online is actually there are so many people from different parts of the world. Like I actually work with a number of people in the US and Australia who are miles away from anybody to be able to work with them. Um, so we do like the remote learning side of things and being able to do things remotely as well. Um, so, yeah, so those are some. Over Pardon? there, it's quite a big problem for people over there, isn't it? In a lot of the states, is that they just don't have anyone local at all that yeah. they can, they've got to drive hours and hours just to get a referral, just to go and see someone. It's yeah. um, quite crazy, really. We're quite lucky over here if you if, if you can get something in an hour. <laughs> Yeah, 100 percent. We're really lucky, I think. But like uh, one of my clients in Australia, it, I think it was an 18 hour drive to the nearest person. I was like, where, where, where? Wow. <laughs> that's that's incredible and obviously you're not going to drive that for a, no, <laughs> for a fitness no. session like two or three times a week um productive for the dogs fit for the you know for the work they're doing with the dog wouldn't it if they then got to travel all that way back again <laughs> Could you imagine how do you do that once a week you've literally lost like two days for a, like an hour session <laughs> yeah <Right. laughs> but yes um i have i have used the app myself i will say how easy it is to navigate it's brilliant to navigate not all apps are very easy um but i i don't go away away a lot but i'm often not actually at home with my dogs um and so being able to just access the app from my phone is just so blooming handy you haven't got to go scrolling through websites and things trying to work out what exercise you might want to do you can just get onto it and do it and get on with it with your dogs and you're done um so it gives your dog something to do and so i don't go away a lot but if i'm away at a show or something um doing tricks displays or whatever um i can do something with the dogs in the evening that then they're familiar with and it's something that they can get on with and do because they've probably just been sat around in, the, in a van all day um so they get to enjoy something themselves so no it's definitely if you haven't seen the app i would highly recommend it um how can they access the app how can they get to it um so 
best thing to do is go to our social media all the links are on there if you're on social media if you go onto our instagram we've got a link tree on there and you can click yourself through to the app you can actually click straight away we've made it really easy to book a one-to-one initial assessment literally click on the link tree and click on that link to book it and you can just book it like you haven't got to go through the process of like if you don't want if you don't necessarily want to i know that myself um i'm an introvert by nature so actually anything where the the less communication with people as possible was really I don't get me wrong like I love it when people contact me but actually when I'm contacting somebody for something that is out of my comfort zone so it's not dogs I'm like don't have to talk and I can just do it that's great (laughs) so I I, that, that was one of the reasons that I like did that I'm very conscious of things like that if you come to a session with me don't worry if you've got any I know a lot of people that have got dogs have got social anxiety that is another thing I'm very passionate about because I suffer with mental health um as well um I say suffer I maybe I'm thriving (laughs) um but um actually that's something that's really important to me I don't ever there's no there's never any judgment from me or anything like that don't ever feel bad don't ever feel like you can't tell me something I never want that to come across as well so that's something I always love to say to people as well is that please there is no judgment here I don't care like I'm not worried about necessarily like things like what you feed your dogs and things like that if you ask for the advice that's great but there is no judgment because I know that judgment comes from a lot of places and that's something that I'm very sort of passionate about as well so yeah I only have a few interests so I'm a boring one but I love the thriving community of canine fitness (laughs) go fitness does that make us boring or does that make us passionate because I literally like I'm dogs and there's nothing else outside the realm of dogs I'm like what's going on I'm properly (laughs) what's going on in the world I have no idea I'm in my little bubble (laughs) you know everything that's going on with dogs oh yeah that thing happened and that new study's come out and this is done what's happened oh I know I did when was that two weeks ago no no idea (laughs) (laughs) why would that affect me (laughs) literally (laughs) blissfully ignorant to everything else that's going on (laughs) everything everything about it it's got to be dogs 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 on the necklace on it even there look paw prints everything's got to be dogs ridiculous all chickens and ducks sometimes (laughs) hang on on. we've got another another comment takes so long on a phone doesn't it christ uh i spent many many pounds by the looks of it on dog training t-shirts this weekend I could have got normal cl- normal clothes. Surely dog training t-shirts are normal clothes. What else is there? <laughs> not, not entirely sure what that is. No, I've never heard of anything else. I've never heard of other things. Everything. Even even that, that's all that's all dogs. Dogs and dogs and Echo the Duck. I even put glasses with dogs in mind. There's, it's not on there, but I was literally like, I had to get glasses a few months ago. And they were like, what are you looking for in glasses? I was like, what's dog proof? <laughs> they were like, oh, we'll go for metal frames. Because at least then if they land on them or something like that, they can be back into position. And like literally... <laughs> Can we have dog-proof strong frames and can the, the actual lenses be sort of um, some Wind- sort of lick, lick-proof? So, yeah, with window wipers, if they yeah. do lick, they don't smear or anything. <laughs> do you have anything like that? <laughs> They're in Ventrum. Dog-proof, come on, dog-proof glasses to wear during fitness for when they lick us. <laughs> Somebody oh. on that and contact me, please, when you do it. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Oh, it's brilliant. There's been a gap in the market. Glasses for dog owners. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> the whole face face mask for when you get headbutted and things and treats get thrown back and spit goes over here and everything else yeah <laughs> I, I saw a video that really made me laugh the other day somebody had like a see-through saucepan lid and a hoodie on for blasting their dog like drying their dog because obviously the hair was going everywhere they put their hood up put a see-through like saucepan lid in the front of their thing and pulled it tight they were like, this is great like no hair and somebody that worked with a blaster for a living obviously with the hydrotherapy yeah. we didn't just towel dry the dogs we made sure that they were fully dry because obviously that has benefits in itself by making sure that the dogs aren't cold and things like that yeah. um but yeah no we like from from that perspective i just looked at that and i was like why did i spend years pulling dog hairs out from round my molars like literally these are wrap themselves round your teeth in your eyelashes, up your nose, just absolutely everywhere. And I looked at that and I was like, why have we never done this? <laughs> we should be doing this. Let's try it now. So when you yeah. pull the hair out and go, I haven't seen that dog for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Where did this come from? Oh, dear. The glamorous life of working with dogs. It's the best yeah. life. Absolutely. <laughs> Who wants to be glamorous? <laughs> no, definitely not. I've given up. Like, what is makeup? No. no. <laughs> it's, makeup is just something to be licked off, I suspect. Right, let me just check the chat. We don't have any, any questions on the chat. So, or if, even if you're watching live at the moment, and of course, if you're watching on the replay, then any questions at all, you can either put through to me and I, I will check in with Hannah myself or you can obviously message Hannah and ask her yourself as well um, you can ask both of us because we are both into the fitness side of things um, I finally booked myself in for a haircut after months of putting it off well done Charlie <laughs> it's really bad that I've cut my own hair for the last three years <laughs> I was about to say you know, was that with a hairdresser or a dog groomer I mean you know <laughs> keeping it with the dog theme I think I could have spent that on dogs so you're now going to cancel that booking, cut your own hair with dog grooming scissors, spinning shears, and, um, and buy some dog stuff. 100%. Yeah. I think it has to be done, really, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent stuff. Right. Is there anything else you wanted to add in or throw in at all, Hannah? Um, no, I don't think so. I think that sort of well covered it. Um, I think that covered. I had, I had a little little list of sort of points to make sure I kind of covered everything. I know what my little brain's like. I love tangents. They like it goes off and I start chatting and I'm gone. And I was like, no, make sure you've got your little points so you know you've read everything that you want to do. <laughs> um, so no, I mean my only thing is obviously to round up. You can see that that we here at Canine Physio and Fitness we're so passionate about what we do. Um, I've experienced struggles over the years and watched others experience them too it's so important to me that I help people prevent those problems from arising learn from my mistakes and learn from others mistakes don't make them yourself um, and groundwork is obviously such a huge part of that in canine conditioning so I actually would love for people to help us raise more awareness as well so anybody <laughs> is listening to this now or is going to listen to it in the future I would really love for people watching to actually have a go at that stand so obviously I've given you that stand description 
And also I kind of talked a little bit about the obstacle course as well to have a go at them and tag us like both of us on social media and um, making a note of the fact that if you're doing obviously that stand, you're working on that groundwork. So actually spreading more awareness with us as well to make more people aware because most people just don't know. They don't know this, they don't know it's a thing. And until they has an injury, they they don't know, particularly pet owners, they have no idea. And then obviously, like so if you if we're making them more aware, obviously everybody's going to be way more keen to actually start helping their dogs now and prevent them. Hugely. And it's not also the awareness, even when they do have an injury, so often there's not then you know, we I would imagine a lot of pet owners have heard of a dog physio of some sort because they know someone that knows someone blah, blah, blah. Um, but they don't always know that there's lots of other things that can all complement each other alongside the physio side of things it might not even be that physio is what they need but if they do there are other things either to continue the work after they've been signed off or to work in line with the physio um, that can go in there and again if you don't know about it then you're not going to look for it because you don't know to look for it in the first place so yeah awareness it makes such a big difference for the dog's lives and for the owner's lives as well definitely um i'm just thinking what we could we'll talk about it on typing later on um maybe we could do between us um a post because you can do these collaboration posts can't you now where it goes on both your, both your accounts we could maybe do um, a, a quick stand video and i know i've got videos of some crazy obstacle courses that i did at the start of lockdown with oh, yeah. my dogs with my dogs and with my chickens actually as well so um i can do just because uh, why not uh, so I could dig out um, a couple of those and just um, see if they're not too crazy because I know they involved going sort of under bits of shade because it was warm and things like that and little, little ramps and off a little platform and stuff things like that under chairs and things so um, yes then people can get an idea of some some obstacle things that they could be working on we could perhaps try and post something for people to give a go but definitely yeah, take because if, you get, if you're going to do your obstacles and all your stand we definitely want to have a little look definitely get the stand revolution going yeah 100% another thing I will add actually on the stand front is actually um on some some weekends I do stand assessments like mini little stand assessments it does not replace a full assessment obviously but there are quite a few things you can actually see just from a photo of a dog standing and um, so actually keep an eye out when I do those if you want a quick little it's free as well I don't I don't charge for that literally it's just a quick little like certain little things I'll look at and point out with your dog to see whether actually or actually tell you they're standing really nicely um so yeah that's another little thing for you as well perfect right I think we will wrap it up there then yep thank you so much Hannah for talking with me it's as suspected it's been very 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 pleasurable and fun at the same time um uh, including with my detour part way through thank you very much everyone that's here at the moment thank you in advance to everyone who's going to be watching on the replay like i say any questions just let us know i'm always happy to help canine fitness we can't talk enough about it between us and most of us in this sort of community um and this will be sent out everyone registered will get this sent out um but i might well just sort of let people know they can still register get more people watching so yes excellent stuff thank you so much hannah um enjoy the rest of your bank holiday weekend yes you too it's been an absolute pleasure to be talking with you today thank you so much for having me you're very very welcome take care everybody have a lovely weekend and uh, hopefully we'll all get to speak to you again sometime soon um, if hannah would like to talk again another time we can maybe do another another topic within the fitness area 
and uh, do another one. That'd be really cool. Excellent stuff. Right. Take care, everybody. I'm going to sign off now and uh, we'll speak to you very soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you're interested in getting your dog started on Groundwork, we're accepting sign-ups onto our Groundwork Challenge starting on the 6th of June 2022. Get in touch with us if you're interested in signing up as we only have a limited number of spaces available. I want to say a massive thank you to all our wonderful audience for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Canine Fitness Fanatics podcast. Our mission is to help condition dogs to reduce the risk of injury and increase longevity, whether that's in sporting dogs, working dogs or pet dogs. All dogs can benefit from a little extra fitness. So if you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe, share and leave a review to help us reach more people and help dogs around the world. Remember fitness fanatics, form is everything. Mm -hmm.